Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, a little information for you and the listeners. This is the trigger warning. We're going to be talking about dark and macabre things, anything from uh, horror movies, horror culture, which could involve murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, offensive language. So if you're not prepared for that, um, maybe take a second guess, think about it and come back or we'll listen to some boring shit because we're going to talk about fucked up shit, which we think is fun. Now that the uh... I, I got the preamble or the, the warning done and then like immediately went into the offensive language. I, th- I think that counts. Vomit, yeah. that counts. <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest. Today's guest is Mr. Arthur Cullifer, best known for his works in found headless harvest lake as the special effects makeup on all of these as well as uh playing the i'm, I'm gonna say lead role of lawrence the clown in the bad man awesome movie actually i think he was director of headless did you direct headless too i i, I was the director of headless yes and Jesus. worked on special effects yeah and you were a scrotum alien i was a scrote <laughs> that is that is true i didn't uh design those shane beasley designed those but uh I played it to the tits <laughs> or the balls in this or case. The balls. In this, yeah. Well, it was after the tits. So, well, both were in the film. Yeah. Space <laughs> for our listeners. Space, it space actually, from outer space. It's, uh, that it's movie good. actually won a, uh, a Mr. Skin award for the most, uh, bouncing titties on stage at one time. <laughs> I bet it did. Yeah. It was quite intentional at times. Like you just, this is just fun. Yeah. <laughs> Because why not? You know? Anyway, yes. Welcome, Arthur. Glad to have you. How are you doing Thank today? Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Um, I'm, I'm doing all right today. How about you? Not too bad. Doing pretty well. So in this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions covering your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood to find out what it, what it is about horror that you like. Um, coming at it from multiple angles, of course, helps trigger memory sometimes that you'd forgotten about. But before we get into that, actually, I almost forgot. Uh, did you want to uh, pitch anything before we get into the interview? Well, right now, I guess people can uh, keep up with me on Instagram. Uh, it's Arthur L. Culifer on Instagram. I do have an uh a website, uh, arthurcullifer.com, and an upcoming Etsy store, which is uh, backslash Temple of the Doll. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think we'll, I uh, put together, we'll put together a bio for you and uh, get links and all that stuff. So starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? Um, well, I mean, feels a little cliche uh, at this point, but I like so many. Um, the Exorcist is actually my first uh movie memory you know hmm. okay. um, like any movie. My, yeah the way that my uh house was laid out the house i grew up in um we had uh, we didn't have like a couch or chairs we had a sort of uh, recessed part of the floor that we referred to as the pit and had a bunch of like you know pillows down there so people could sit around and and watch the tv or whatever and I had a blanket and it was early. My dad was an early adopter of, uh, of VHS of, of a VCR. You know, uh, we had one of those pretty, pretty early on in my, in my mm-hmm. memory. Was it a top loader? Uh, yes, absolutely yep. was. 
And uh, so I remember them watching The Exorcist, and I, I had a blanket, and I kept pulling the blanket over my head. But then I'd peek back out, and there'd be like you know <laughs> Linda Blair's demon face, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but that I think it affected me uh, most because my my whole family um, went through phases. There was you know macrame phase and a ceramics phase and like all this kind of shit. And so my dad had made a, uh, a bust of the devil, you know, that is very cool. I still have it. And it had uh, cubic zirconia for the eyes. And he had this thing set in his office, which his office um, had a big heavy door and was always dark. And he'd send me in there for something. And I'd, open this big heavy door. And the first thing that would happen is the light would fall on those cubic zirconia eyes, you know, (laughs) it coincided also with, they were trying to get me to stop eating my boogers. (laughs) And so, (laughs) yeah. So we'll get you if you keep doing this kind of thing. Well, I thought that that was the reason I thought that what was going to happen was that my boogers were slowly building bust of Lucifer inside of me. And then if I keep eating them, then eventually it'll be complete. And then I will be possessed. And was that more of an I inspiration am. to continue eating the boogers? Then? I wonder like, how did you take that? Like, yes, dark Lord grow in my belly, grow in my belly. Um, no, it was, uh, it was a deterrent. Okay. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't ever specifically say that. I just, developed that idea i think between somewhere between the exorcist and that devil head and and eating the boogers you know although childhood imagination i do remember them being a savory treat but uh that was something that i i stopped after that (laughs) (laughs) they are quite nice just just imagining like a a top-end restaurant now Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's nearly feasible. <laughs> Just the On tonight's menu, we have a savory choice of either uh, original post-construction or work or um, sweat lodge boogers. Yes, the sweat lodge oh. are marinated quite nicely. We also have our high-end uh, Gwyneth Paltrow goop oh, straight God. from the source. <laughs> Are those vagina boogers? Uh, you know. What yeah. <laughs> it's uh, all about presentation, <laughs> right? So. Right. Uh, oh, all right, so exorcist but, eating your boogers, devil head. Um. Yeah, there was uh, <laughs> it's It's not necessarily about horror, but the thing that sort of really sparked my interest in, uh, you know, special effects is I, I love animals and creatures. And before this particular film, I wanted to be like an astronaut or a scientist. So I could either make creatures or I could go visit them, you know? Okay. But then I saw E.T. <laughs> and I did not like the way that those scientists slash astronauts, whatever I thought they were at the time, treated E.T. Of course. Um, and so that kind of turned me off to that. But then I was like, you know, how do I get one of those walking around my house? I, w- I want an ET friend to walk around, you know? Mm. And so it's sort of, it was fortunate because uh, 
few years later, I found this makeup store called uh, Paramount. And uh, this woman, uh, Madge, who was a, a great influence and, and really kind of helped me uh, figure out what materials I need to be using and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, she's probably just making sales, but you know. Um, hmm. And so when, after I had seen ET, uh, I went with a friend to go to a video store where this doctor slash astronaut was like carrying ET around. So it was like a public appearance of ET. Right. Oh, okay. And so that was, you know, amazing to me. And I loved, you know, this, this creature that he had and the eyes moved and the mouth moved, and, you know, it was a big puppet sort of thing. Mm. And so after talking to this woman at Paramount, I actually got to meet the person who did that. And it was a special effects artist named Alan Duckworth. And I got to go to his house and he sort of showed me some of the, the tricks of how he made eyes move and, and different stuff like that. Cool. Did he live near you or something? Uh, yeah. Well, so uh, I, it was in Orlando uh, is where I grew up. Okay. And that's actually where I am again. But yeah, so it was over um, Paramount was over near what was called the Fashion Square Mall. And it was just in this little uh, strip mall. And so I would go there a lot of times, you know, friends would, we would get to go to the mall or we would get to go uh, somewhere around that area. And that was where I would, I spent a lot of time, especially as I was like, you know, uh, 11 or 12. Um, Were they fixed into or like keyed in on movie magic or, uh, you know, special effects magic makeup or it was all kinds of magic or all kinds of makeup. I mean, it was, it was a theatrical makeup company. So, I mean, it's really intended for, you know, theater stuff, but she taught me about like, uh, at the time, one of the mold making materials was called moulage, uh, which you, you melted down, you know, came in chunks and whatever. And she taught me about latex and, um, okay. So it wasn't like, you know, a, a normal women's makeup store with lipstick and that oh, kind of stuff. No, and, no, no, no. Right. Yeah. Th- this was definitely, I mean, they had like, you know, magic tricks in there and different masks and stuff that they sold. And how did you find out about the store? That's a good question. Um, so I started early wanting to make movies. Um, mm. That's probably what led me to it or to my parents to take me there. Or, or it's possible uh, my Aunt Mona was a uh, an artist and, and she did uh, help me learn like makeup uh, around Halloween, like she would do the kids' makeup and stuff, and I was, you know, would watch her and see what she was doing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I wanted to be able to create these other effects, and so through that, I guess uh, I, I don't remember if it was from Paramount or not, but like I found out about like derma wax, um, or you know, it was Mortician's wax, but it was you know for theater nose uh, nose putty, I guess is what they called it. Okay, I would make different you know cuts and gory little gouges and whatever to try and trick my friends or my mom or, you know, um, yes, dear. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, pretend to be scared. Say that again. I said, pretend to be scared. I'm thinking like the, if you've ever seen the pictures or the, the gifts online of like the lion, uh, lioness, you know, pretending to be scared when the little cub jumps on her type of thing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I, I think it, it bothered her more than that because, <laughs> you know, when, when you started getting good at it. Yeah. yeah right. Um, I'm just, you know, the first one or two. It's, oh, well, and definitely the kids at school, of course, I don't know who I was thought I was fooling, but like I made like a, a wax finger and used a chicken bone and a piece of styrofoam for like some gore on the end of it, sticking out of it and put a, a fake fingernail on it. And then I put it, uh, a ring on it and put it in a ring box. Mm. And I said that I had, uh, proposed to this girl. And after she I gave her no. the ring, she, she broke up with me. So I had to get the ring back. Yeah. You got to get it back somehow, you know? You know right. Exactly. <laughs> it's the implication. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just looking at the list of notes that I'm making about uh, the childhood stuff. There's a lot, lot here. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot like, well, that's, it was something that I was a sickly child and, uh, I had a, um, an adult case of walking pneumonia when I was huh. in the first grade and they gave me adult medicine for it. And it, fucking corroded all of my teeth Ooh. and I had to have uh, a mouthful of silver uh, growing up caps on, on everything. And wow. then, you know, as my adult teeth came in, a lot of them came in uh, hollow without pulp, luckily without nerves a lot of the time. So that was a, a fortunate thing. I was um, going to make a joke about being early on the fronts uh, campaign, but Ouch. The, the follow-up to that was not as pleasant. No, um, no, but yeah, I did. I would, they called me jaws, you know, like from the <laughs> yep, yep. James Bond thing. Mm-hmm. And Which actually uh, that's yeah. not too bad. Cause I mean, kids could have been very cruel about that. So to go with jaws, that's actually, you know, a positive thing. Oh yeah. I, I wore it as a badge of honor. Yeah. I, I definitely yeah. did. But during that, uh, that fever was my first bout of hallucination. And okay. I uh, saw a yellow, um, you know, who Hotai is. Hotai is kind of like a, it, people get him confused with Buddha, but he's like the fat, laughing, bald. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Japanese. Yeah. Um, but well, that was, my parents had uh, several statues of different, like Asian styled people, you know. Um, and so that was, that was probably one that they had, but it was one that, um, you know, it was just floating in the air there laughing at me all yellow. And then, um, he sort of dissipated. And then I saw these people in like pilgrim garb carrying me, but they were looking down at me, but the impression in my brain was that they were carrying me like I was in a coffin, like they were pallbearers, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were looking down at me very sternly like i had done something very wrong and it was actually my parents carrying me to the uh tub of ice to Hmm. to cool me down from the fever but again those are things that you know they stick with you yeah Mm. yeah especially at a young age and as traumatic as that is yeah those things stick with you in your mind so so going going back sorry going back through the um through the notes that i have here you know trying to pick out the emotions. Cause for me, um, you know, getting to the root of things really often deals with the emotions that were triggered by a lot of these different things. Um, the two that I really, well, three that are popping out to me and the things that we've talked about, you mentioned anxiety, fear, arousal, but 
I, some of it, well, I guess curiosity maybe for the, um, when you got to the parts where you're talking about the makeup. Um, it, it's difficult, uh, you know, so, uh, full disclosure, I listened to your show. Mm. So, uh, I, I have, you know, a couple of notes that I've written down, but I did want to keep this, you know, it's conversational to, to let it be, you know, organic and discover re- remembering these things naturally. Mm. Um, but, uh, I don't, so did, did you already come with an, a- with the answers prepared? <laughs> <laughs> Not That's exactly. Cheating. Yeah. It's cheating. Right. Um, no, I just, uh, am trying you knew to a couple of things that you wanted to talk about. Well, I'm trying to think of things that scared me, you know, more than um, I was just curious about them or they created some mm-hmm. sort of positive nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can often be about the experiences. And that's what I was thinking of next is, you know, if you've listened to the show, then, you know, some of the other questions that we normally ask. Um, so let's talk about some of the other things that may have been experiences. Um, you know, for example, Halloween, favorite costume. Oh man, Halloween. Jesus. Um so you kind of touched on it earlier with the uh what was it your mother was doing special effects makeup for people on Halloween or not special effects but like my aunt Mona, yeah. Um and well, so I was fortunate my mother might tell you differently, but I feel like I was fortunate that my parents didn't really restrict my media intake. You know, my dad was very into horror movies. And, uh, so when he would watch them, I got to watch them and that's just, you know, how it was. And something that was very big again, cause there's so many of these little interconnected things that I, I've spent a lot of time analyzing myself. People tell me I need a therapist and <laughs> it's like, I've got a mirror. What, you know, I don't know if I need that, but, uh, my dad took me to a, a garage sale. He loved garage sales and I fucking hated garage sales the way that he would go to, you know, this one and that one just spend so long over boring nothing. And then he uh, found this one and the three things that I was able to take away from that garage sale was a, uh, were a, a werewolf mask, a latex werewolf mask. Mm-hmm. Um, a copy of Fangoria, uh, which was, uh, had no cover, but, uh, was my first introduction to the sender and Q and, uh, I think even Gulardi, um, you know, as a, a horror host, you know, it was my introduction to a lot of, a lot of stuff. And, um, a copy of the encyclopedia of witchcraft and demonology. Okay. Oh. At a yard sale. Nice. At a yard sale. Yeah. And so those three things severely influenced me, you know, especially that last one I could imagine. Oh, oh yes. Well, it had all sorts of uh, illustrations from uh, the dictionary and for now in it. So like the standard uh, illustrations of demons that you see, which is mostly like from the Goetia, you know, mm-hmm. that are like amalgam creatures with horse heads and, mm-hmm. you know, three different, animals stuck together and basically yeah. a D a, a D book, basically a D and D book. <laughs> yeah. Once I got the monster manual, there were there, yeah, a lot of similarities. Uh, huh. that's cool though. It's a uh, full disclosure. I have been perusing your website and very interested in the, uh, 
what the hell are you talking about or ruminations on new demonology article. So oh, you, you got uh, into the demonology quite early then, huh? I did. Well, and as, as we go on, um, my connections to what would be considered in the social construct as um, fictional things. I don't know. I've just never been comfortable being human. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not something that I really ever cared for or identified with. It's not entirely true. Like I was telling you earlier about my, my cousins, uh, Paula and Daniel. So uh, Paula is uh, a girl obviously. And she uh, is two years older than me and Daniel is two years younger than me. And so we'd go uh, to play something like Scooby-Doo or uh, Captain Caveman or, you know, whatever was about at that time, Star Wars. And the thing is, is that I always wanted to be the pretty girl. I have never thought that girls were icky. I never had that. I've always been like girls, 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 you know, <laughs> and so much so that like I wanted to be that. I thought that was an awesome thing, you know, hmm. and, uh, but Paula was the pretty girl. So she got to be the pretty girl and <laughs> I didn't want to be like, jealousy. The, yeah, I did. I definitely, well, and, and some of my family was, was understanding of that. I'll tell you that in a second, but like, you know, I, I wasn't the, the hero. Like I thought Luke Skywalker was boring. You know, okay. I thought that Fred was boring. You know, not that Fred was the hero, but you get the idea. Right. Um, and so it kind of left me in this place where the next move for me was the villain. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's what I ended up playing a lot was the villain or the monster or the the thing like that. But I did my my grandmother um, was very understanding, so she had made. Um, well, when I was in kindergarten, there were all of these like inflatable letter people that they had, uh, mm. which I just adored, but you couldn't purchase them as a, a, a normal person who wasn't part of a school or whatever. And so she made me, uh, the, the letter people, and I still have all of those like stuffed animals. Huh. Um, but then she also, she made, um, a wonder woman set of bracelets and the tiara for mm -hmm. my cousin Paula. Mm -hmm. And I was so jealous, <laughs> not to the point of like being shitty about it or anything, but you know, she knew. And mm -hmm. so she also made me a set of, uh, of bracelets. And so nice. that was nice yeah. of her. Yeah. It was very nice of her. Very pleased with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you know, we were talking about different things and then you brought this up. I'm curious. Why did you bring it up? Yeah. I don't remember. We got <laughs> oh, my grandma, oh, my grandma, um, Halloween, Halloween. So, um, through that, uh, in the same silver material that she made the bracelets out of, mm -hmm. um, I made a, a silver cloak out of, um, for this like alien costume, uh, that was probably, you know, one of my favorites, I made the, the mask for it. I think that was, again, I want to say like fifth or sixth grade somewhere in there. Halloween was always something that, um, was very, you know, important to me. I went through the, the gamut of the different like plastic costumes, uh, had the Yoda costume, which I was very pleased with cause I loved Yoda. Um, 
but right at that same time, my grandmother was dying of cancer and, uh, she was the only one, I was the only one that she let see her without her wig. And I thought that she looked beautiful, but I thought that she looked like Yoda. And mm-hmm. so I couldn't tell her that she looked like Yoda, but I told her she looked beautiful, you know, and it's a story that other family members remember, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. but they don't know that I thought she looked like Yoda. And that was why. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that brings up a point that I did want to go back to. You had mentioned um, you never felt comfortable being human. Is there any reason why you wanted to be something else? It's a really good question. I I don't entirely know the answer to it. Uh, I just, all of my like toys that I wanted, I wanted the girl dolls and the monsters, monsters and girls throughout you know, that, and I didn't really have a lot of interest in human men. I'm not exactly sure what that was about necessarily, but I mean, even growing up, I didn't have, I had, you know, friends who were boys. And like I said, my, uh, my cousin and stuff, other kids in the neighborhood, but I, I definitely preferred the company of the girls in the neighborhood, you know, Mm -hmm. and scaring them, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You know? As one does. As one does, yeah. No, I, um, um, I, I think I might be able to field a hypothetical potential answer to that question in the fact that it's maybe it's just the the generic uh, rebellious state of, you know, the fact that especially growing up in the 80s, so much of the norm was men and heroes and, you know, the, the Freds and the He-Men and the, the archetype of the man that is the hero and always does the good thing. And it's just a a kind of a natural reaction if you have a rebellious nature to go against that and be like, all right, well, what about the other ones? What about the women and the villain and the monsters? Yeah, that's, that's a a pretty interesting take on that. Um, For me, uh, my dad was on the road a lot. And so I was always being taken care of mainly by either my grandmother or stepmothers or some, some women in my life. And I was always getting in trouble because I was being a kid doing what kids do. And, you know, when dad would call home, you know, find out I was getting in trouble and he'd say things, you know, about, you know, just, just make him happy, make grandma happy, make my stepmother happy, do whatever uh, to make him happy. And I guess on some deep level, I've never really had quite as much interest in what other men think or feel or want, because to me, making a woman happy is the greatest thing in my life. Uh, And who knows what a woman wants, but a woman, like, why should I listen to you when you don't know what they want? (laughs) There's, there's just some logic here that goes, I don't care what you think or feel or what you want, because you're not the one I care about impressing or pleasing. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You, you are definitely hitting the nail on the head as far as that goes. Um, because, you know, I, I was, I was raised primarily by women, you know, um, my dad was not around a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and when he was around, you know, I mean, there are definitely aspects and things that he contributed to my, my mental processes, but he, uh, you know, would do things like come home, fucking blackout drunk and want to teach me to fight and end up knocking me into the wall <laughs> the rocks mm-hmm. and stuff you know it was very little he didn't mean to he wasn't abusive but 
you know, he had his moments where he thought he was doing the right thing and I ended up getting hurt, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, yeah, it, there was a lot of always wanting to, to please the, the women around me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they certainly, you know, did a lot to, to please me, mm-hmm. you know, um, my grandmother again, you know, making, teaching me to make dolls and making dolls and, uh, making costumes and things like that. My aunt Mona teaching me about makeup and, and special effects and, uh, you know, costumes and even my mother, um, who bless her, uh, she was, she's never been like a horror fan or anything like that, but, um, she, there was a, there was a show, maybe you guys are old enough to remember this. Um, there was a, a show that was just a pilot, uh, called wish man. And, uh, what's her face from Terminator, uh, Linda Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton. Yeah. Was, was in that, um, anyway, but it was like some, you know, very, uh, poorly described mixture of it's, it's a mixture of DNA and cell tissue. And we grew this little alien kid, you know, um, anyway, but so I, I loved that, that little creature of Wishman. And my mother, who had been making um, pantyhose pigs, so like you sew stuffed pantyhose and sew it into a, a face yep. little pig, and then you put that in a jar of beans, and then that's like a pin cushion. Mm-hmm. You know, they put a pin cushion top on. Anyway, point being is that she she taught me that technique, and we made a wishman sewed a wishman head onto a howdy doody a headless howdy doody <laughs> body. But yeah, so I mean, again. That was something that I was supported by them and I was supported. Yeah. Like I made construction paper versions of the, uh, almost construction paper marionettes of the different creatures from like dark crystal mm-hmm. and my, my mother. And I think my aunt Mona lived with us at the time. Um, both, you know, helped me trace out the shapes and, and whatever. Um, I did, I did want to bring this up. This What's was that? something that, that did scare me as, as a child is the tritone so like you are trying to call somebody and you get the wrong number and it's the mm-hmm. bull, bull, bull. yeah that we're sorry the number you have dialed has been disconnected you know mm-hmm. um that voice and that noise just really lets you know you are alone yeah there's there's no one there to reach out you know it was that just that feeling mm-hmm. damn you know <laughs> <laughs> i still I wonder that's scary the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that voice is always, um, what was it? THX 1137 or 1138, 1138. Yeah. So maybe as I got to ask in, in, uh, that voice affecting you that early on, did you maybe see THX later on? And that if you feel you are not properly sedated, like that, was that voice yeah. creepy as hell? Cause it, it creeped me out just in by itself. I, th- I think that movie is creepy as hell. And I love the whole the, thing is yes. I love, uh, <laughs> Ohm. It's like, my time is yours. Go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. I, I, uh, and that's, I look at a lot of these things like that, you know, trying to review your own fears as to how, how can I give this to somebody else? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? So if in making movies and making horror movies, it's like, what are you, what's your inspiration? What are you drawing from? 
and I want to draw from the things that frighten me or that disturb me or bother me, you know, um, so that I can give the audience something authentic. Mm. Plus, it's like, you know, you, you have to go with what's in your wheelhouse. Mm. Right. It was actually it was the giving you part that uh, that threw me off for a second. But I, I see what you mean now. But, you know, authentic uh, experience and yeah. relating that. Well, I mean, that's something that I strive for slash struggle with is being able to give someone my love for these things. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a friend who um, is very much into like the, the MST3K versions of a lot of the movies that I love all by themselves, unironically. And I can't give him the nostalgia of being up late with horror hosts or watching something that you're, you're maybe not supposed to be watching or that, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be up that late. And just the, the feelings that those things give you that nostalgia, I want to be able to package that and give it to someone else, you know, because it's so precious to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Certain things are hard to package, um, especially emotions, uh, and especially ones that don't require conversation too. Yeah. Uh, Let's jump over to teenagers. What were some of your, you know, the scariest stories and books and movies that influenced you in your teenage years? Well, so my parents also got divorced. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that uh, over the phone. I was, do you remember the sectors? No, they were insect, insect people, he-man type yeah. of stuff, you know. Um, and there was a, uh, a big playset. Mm-hmm. uh called the hive and it was one of the coolest play sets ever devised and um i had that and i was playing and i overheard my mom talking to my aunt kathy or somebody that uh that they were getting divorced and that of course threw me you know uh was was very frightening um Mm -hmm. that that was happening but i didn't still didn't really understand it until later that was coinciding with me getting into Dungeons and Dragons, uh, having the Monster Manual, reading Lovecraft, um, reading Edgar Allan Poe, uh, reading Stephen King, uh, Night Shift. Uh, I loved the, the Boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a a big influence on that, and that the movie that I was talking about, animatronics, later shifted into something else that starred the Boogeyman. But you know. I'm I'm ashamed to say this, but in the thing story, he was called T B Man, like T period B period. Anyway, hmm. uh, um, no, no, I get it. That's that's like his human <laughs> name. That's that's his Clark Kent. That's his Clark Kent T B <laughs> Man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was very into. Um, they had they had some horror scholastic type books when the the bookmobile type thing would come around, mm-hmm. and uh, or you'd order. There was. Uh, one it was similar to deadly friend uh but was with this girl that like just became obsessed with this guy and she was pale skinned and wore purple lipstick and i wanted to be pale skinned wear purple lipstick but um but something about that image and uh coinciding with this other book called unnatural talent where this guy made a deal with uh, again a female demon 
to be a basketball player. Um, but then later he was becoming a demon and something that, you know, affected me. And that was this turn of phrase that, uh, he looked in the mirror and he saw his face had, you know, changed into a more, you know, insectoid or demonic aspect. But then there were, um, sores that had ribbons of pus flowing through them and there's ribbons of pus. Nice. Something. Yeah. Nice. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but this was also coming along with, um, you know, I, I had braces, but then I was, you know, getting ready to drop the braces and rise. I was getting ready to drop the braces. I'm getting all kinds of zits mm-hmm. and, uh, perfect timing, right? You trade one perfect for the other. timing. Yeah. So definitely a lot of, um, body horror, mm-hmm. you know, in, in actual life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, because my, my acne became very um, severe on my back and my neck and chest. And, and so I ended up uh, taking Accutane, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, acne medication. A, yeah. It's a very strong acne medication that makes you uh, super sensitive to the sun, gives you a liver like you've been drinking for 30 years, makes you, mm-hmm. you know, peel all over the place. And uh, guessing they didn't have tetracycline at this phase. So they did. It just didn't work. Oh. For me, so we tried this Accutane, and then I would have to go um, to the dermatologist and have these boils. Like, have you ever seen like a blackhead popper? Looks like a little tiny spoon with a hole in the bottom of it. Well, hmm. the doctor had one, and it had little razors on it, and so he would take these boils and he would kind of cut them open with this razor spoon, and then get the stuff out of there, and then have to go back and inject them with cortisone, mm-hmm. and. <sighs> You know, I had to stay out of the sun, but I had moved from being kind of a heavy kid into, you know, a skinnier kid. And so somewhere along the line, I had a, uh, a girlfriend who thought that I was a vampire, or maybe I really was in, in trying to make her think that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that sort of started to stick. I have to stay out of the sun. I'm, you know. My, my teeth are weird and, you know, I'm some type of, of ghoul thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then of course, as my, my mom and dad are, are divorced. Now I have to go spend weekends with my dad. And, uh, what he would do is of course, this is a video store heyday. So he would take me to the video store and let me rent whatever the hell I wanted to rent. And then set me in a room with my movies for the weekend. And then he would go and do whatever the fuck he was doing. So that's where I ended up watching a lot of horror movies. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, the vampire thing really sort of stuck. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't have like, you know, like zits all over my face necessarily, but, you know, one or two, but they were more on my, my chest and back. So it was something hidden. So I didn't, you know, take off my shirt much. Mm Mm-hmm. But, but also, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that also kind of lends itself to the whole vampire thing, you know, uh, just 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 further distancing yourself from and stop me if I'm projecting here. But, uh, you know, further distancing yourself from being uh, accepted or, or falling into that regular person model because you've, you've got like a, a secret almost, you know, because it's it's covered up all the yeah. time. Yeah, that was definitely there. So teenage years, mm-hmm. um, 
I'm guessing you still participated in Halloween at that point. A uh, favorite costume in your in your teenage years? I got into theater a little bit in high school, but I was already uh, a metalhead slash moving into goth kid. So had a lot of uh, criticism from from that and from the things that I would wear and makeup I would wear and whatever. Oh yeah. Um, but I got into theater a little bit uh, nearing the end of high school. Um, I mean, I had been in all sorts of uh, plays and things throughout elementary school, but then that kind of went away in middle school and uh, kind of came back around in my sophomore year. And I had a friend that I had had since sixth grade, but we had kind of drifted apart and uh, she came back to me around 10th grade and started taking me to Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. And the first time I went to that, I was kind of irritated because everybody's yelling and throwing things <laughs> and running around. And I'm like, I want to watch I this see movie. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Shh, you're ruining the movie. Sit down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of sure that, that would have been I kind of want to go to a local yeah. play of uh, Rocky Horror now and just be that asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to watch the movie. <laughs> but, anyway, continue. But I loved it, and uh, I went there uh, one year dressed as, or you know, Halloween was approaching, and I went uh, dressed as Alex from Clockwork Orange. Oh, nice! And uh, met a girl um, who then, of course, was very into thinking that I was a vampire. And so that is this the same one that you mentioned earlier or a different one? No, different one. It, it, okay. Yeah. Just clarifying. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, it was something that started developing in me around the time that I was probably 14, 15. Mm -hmm. And then by this point I'm like 16, 17, you know? So it, just became more and more of that. Um, but there, there, there were aspects to it that made it seem like there was something other there. And that's something that again is recurring this idea of the other, the, the possessive force or or being that would make me be something else Mm -hmm. or that wants me to be something else. So that's something that, as as I got older, I mean, the, let, let's let's be real. the The hugest part of it was, oh wait, vampires are sexy to girls. Mm-hmm. Girls want to have sex with someone they think is a vampire, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So it was largely about that, you know, but mostly about how can I, this kid who always loved girls and had girlfriends, you know, from a very young age, but then went through a phase of feeling unloved between getting fat, braces, divorce, acne, all this stuff. Uh, and I, I come back around to now, and, and through all that, I still had friends who were girls, mm-hmm. but I didn't have girlfriends, mm-hmm. you know? And so now I was coming back around to this, oh, I've, I've stumbled onto something here that is going to get me laid. Maybe. But it, hey, it worked a lot more often than it didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I wanted to be like this anyway. The sex is just a bonus. Yeah, yeah. totally. Exactly. And, and there's, you know, the, this 
negation of the fear of death. What do you mean? Well, with vampire, I mean, I, I know what you mean in terms of vampires, but how does this relate to? It's it's all sorts of death, be it the death of my parents' marriage or the death of my grandmother or, you know, these things happening. It was like suddenly things were ending, mm. you know, how do I preserve this? And so, I mean, when I say I went full force into it, I mean, I, I believed I was a vampire. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just, it, it was something I was using for for sex and all that, but I kind of became, just so you know, vampires are assholes. Well, yeah. So (laughs) they're They're old. They've been around a while. You know, they've seen a lot of shit. Yeah. And they don't care. They don't care about your feelings, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I had no issue, you know, getting with this girl and then screwing around on her with this other girl and then screwing around on her with this other girl and whatever. Um, and, and that involved partly, you know, blood drinking and, and stuff like that. I was going to ask, did you actually drink blood? Oh okay. yeah. 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 No, I definitely did. Um, I claimed to kill some animals in order to drink their blood, but I never did that. Yeah. But I, I definitely, you know, drank blood from the various girls that I was yeah, with. If it gets you laid. Yeah. You know, at the time <laughs> it's weird, man. The goth culture was real strange. Oh, yeah. I, actually, I was just thinking that it's weird that a girl would want to sleep with you after having said that you killed animals, but go ahead. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's hot. That's hot. Well, you know, you, yeah, they, you got issues. Go ahead. You kill a cat, you drink cat blood, you get cat powers. Now you're like a cat. So mm-hmm. that's sexy, right? I'm sure, I'm sure that's there's a song or a rhyme in there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. But yeah, so, and, and I, I think about that uh, a lot as far as. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just <laughs> in the back of my head. I'm still going on that. And now it's in the, now it's to the tune of a stray cat's dream. <laughs> with my tail in the air man you know <laughs> straight head powers go ahead yeah Sorry. exactly <laughs> hey all the ladies say you're a real dark guy you know mm. so <laughs> um <laughs> that was just too fitting uh, but where were we uh, going with this what's that I said, where were we going with this? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think that part of the point was that um, because I'm, I'm definitely telling you weird things, but also, you know, the cheesy aspects of myself is that uh, at this point I was trying to think of like what scared me with all this crazy vampire shit I was doing, you know, because I, I was the knight. Mm. I was. <laughs> well, it doesn't. I was the one who knocked. Scare right, you exactly. So I wasn't as concerned about that, I was a little concerned with going mad. I, I talked to myself in the mirror a lot and the thing looking back at me from the mirror definitely had a more sinister aspect than I felt like I did, hmm. but they're just what, I mean, the things that I was afraid of was largely like getting caught mm-hmm. doing something um, through my, through my teenage years. Until well, that's the conscious. Well, sorry, God. Well, until, I was just going to say basically until I had my son later in my twenties, mm. uh, which I still consider to be part of my teenage years. Um, and then everything moved from dreams about monsters and things chasing me and whatever to something was going to happen to him. Mm-hmm. And that was okay. the nightmare, you know, but I got out of the vampire phase Basically, when I went to jail for the first time for an extended period, 
And uh, suddenly it was like, there were no girls in the jail. They put me in. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> like there would have been in another jail. Yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely nobody to impress. Nobody's blood. I wanted to drink. Nobody's yeah, no shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that really kind of broke that. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say a minute ago is um, <clears throat> you were talking about your conscious fears, but you also raised un- subconscious fears earlier than that. Uh, in your statement about vampires def- defying death and, you know, the death of the marriage and your grandmother's death and things like that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, it sounds like there's some fears there, just maybe not conscious ones. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, it's something that I, I obsessed over. There's not to say that I didn't have moments of being disturbed or being frightened, but what I was disturbed and frightened by a lot of times is sort of, um, difficult to put into words, difficult to describe to somebody else to bring back to you. You know, mm-hmm. it was, you know, a lot of thoughts on decay and pain caused to children. I have this uh, thing in me that like, if I hurt your feelings, I think about you as a little kid being hurt. Hmm. Right. Like, and I'm curious. Sorry, I'm curious, did that come up after your son was born or before, or like, has it always been a thing? No, it's always been a thing. My, my mm-hmm. mom did that to me. Um, when I was very young, I had a, uh, toy of some sort that I played with all the time. And then I got a new toy and I played with the new toy more. And my mom said, aren't you afraid you're going to hurt the old toys feelings? Mm-hmm. Boom. That was it forever. Uh, <laughs> you know, sympathy for things, yeah. uh, thinking about, you know, having that guilt, you know, that was, that was a serious moment, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to a lot of this. It's, it's kind of the same way, like early on that I think in, in my situation that kind of gave me a, um, a subconscious fear of disappointing people. But yeah, it's like yeah. hurting someone's feelings is, is more bad for lack of a better term is, is worse than, than actually viscerally physically hurting them. Like, like, uh, what was it? That, that cannibal case where the guy not, invited not someone that the to second wouldn't do the first, but go ahead. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe if they want to be physically harmed, right. then you're not hurting their feelings. You're right. doing quite the opposite. Eh? Right. Yeah. And there's something that's, I mean, just so much more fun in a horror movie. If you're not getting their emotional, uh, response to it. Mm-hmm. You, you're just killing somebody, picking them apart. They're screaming and whatever, but I was just going to say, I, I'm thinking the screams, a, a, a response, an emotional response. Not, it is, but it's not the, <laughs> Oh, how come you're doing this to me? <laughs> right. It's yeah. not, you know I mean? it's, it's a response, a lot, but though. it's not the one that triggers you. Right. It's there. There's something that the, the films that disturb me more mm-hmm. are the ones where, there's that emotional response where it's, you know, it's sad mm-hmm. that this is happening, um, but I don't watch those films over and over. You know, I'll watch it once, but it's just not fun. Yeah. Like, um, what was it? Girl next door, especially cause that's based on a true story. That one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, the betrayal, you know, like a girl who was invited in to hang out with neighborhood friends and then just flipped. Torture. And that I think is, is a huge, one of my fears, uh, is betrayal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that 
I've had a lot of in my life and struggled with and particularly betrayal from women mm-hmm. is a a disturbance for me you know mm-hmm. so i'm looking through you know the questions we normally ask and you know sometimes we ask for this portion of your life did horror make you happy and i'm i'm looking back between the notes i've taken here and the notes i've taken for the childhood it it looks like you know childhood there were elements of horror that made you happy and then now it's more of the angsty part which is not uncommon commenting well i i think that um something that when i was a kid i was very creative and artistic Mm. and um moving into my teenage years it became you know all drugs and girls so my only real art was my vampire drag you know i mean i think i was trying to write some sort of vampire bible whatever might you know i had uh girlfriends who were into witchcraft but kind of more on the new agey side and i kind of was thinking that was bullshit so i'm like well where's where's the religion that's for me you know mm. as as a vampire as, so and this is before any of that stuff was was really around but yeah, you know, so, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, horror at that point that did make me happy. I mean, uh, you know, I was very into watching every vampire film I could get a hold of. I loved near dark. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bram Stoker's Dracula came out about that time. And I thought that thing was fucking hilarious. Oh, well, speaking that of what? hilarious and vampire movies, I think it was around that same time. Had you seen vampires kiss? Uh, you know, I didn't see that until later. Yeah, same um, here. Like, I, I just, I always wonder what it would have been like seeing it as it came out at the time. But everyone I know, and myself included, uh, it's it's like a cult following now. And it's seeing it after the fact, where it's been sensationalized by the meme, of course. Yeah, and I love Nicolas Cage. Um, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I do wonder if that would have, um, you know, held up a mirror. Yeah, to maybe. to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, especially if you know you were in this this whole situation where you started to slowly more and more believe that you were a vampire. That's a great phrase for it. Hold up a mirror, like uh, is that maybe a little bit what I'm being right now? Yeah, I mean, because I had seen Martin. Well, I mean, if you're a vampire, you wouldn't be able to see it yourself. Ah, ah. <laughs> see, and and that's true. I got I got around that, like in the you know vampire lies, I guess. I was mm-hmm. like, well, if you're a vampire, how come we can see in the in the mirror? Well, I can't see myself. You can see me. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, um, but uh, there was something I was going to say uh, about that. Yeah, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas actually mm-hmm. really held up a a mirror um, in that respect uh, for me. How uh, so? near that time. Well, I saw it the first time on acid. Nice. And, and uh, yeah, and it was amazing, but it was also a way darker and more twisted thing mm-hmm. than it actually is. Like when I experienced it. Well, it yeah, was, I mean, they kidnapped Santa Claus. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was more um, at the time, like I identified with Jack, Okay. but it was pointing out the fallacies of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I still, I, I hold that film in extremely high regard. Um, definitely 
feel that that is um, sort of a movie version of the shaman's journey. The hero's like journey. Well, no, like Lotus Feet of Clay, you know, where the 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 mystic goes to the other realm mm-hmm. and they find something precious and they try to bring it back. But uh, once they bring it back, they find themselves without the words to describe their experience mm-hmm. to to other people. And the people think they understand. Right. So you sort of morph that version into Oh, this is what you think you understand. So I'm still going to try to bring you this, but I'm going to do it through this lens of allegory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am the one who is, you know, bringing this back. So I still, you know, am going to get the credit for it, right? So even though it it is a corruption of what I actually experienced, now I'm giving this to you so that I have power over you, you know, and I, I think that. That's definitely something that that movie is because he goes into Christmas land and he comes back and he can't explain it and they think they know what it is. And so he kind of turns it into Halloween as Christmas land, but that's not right. That's not what it is, you know? Um, but anyway, that, for, for whatever reason, it was very um, like you, you think you're the shit, but you ain't the shit. Mm-hmm. And that bothered me because I, I thought I was the shit. Of course. Um, so is there, is there anything else related to the teenage years that you think is relative to what you enjoy about horror that we haven't talked about before we jump to the adult years? Um, any real life terrifying experiences? I don't know if we covered that one yet. Oh yeah. Geez. I'll tell you about some of my, um, early paranormal stuff. Okay. I was, uh, when I was about 17, that same girlfriend who I was initially trying to impress with the, the vampire dealio, um, I was on the phone with her one night and I'm laying in my bed and it's dark in the room. It's difficult to just describe to you the layout of my, my room, but on one side of the room was the door out into the house. And the other side of the room was the door, uh, leading to the laundry room, which also had a door leading out of the house. And, uh, so I looked over at my stereo because I thought that there was a light there. When I looked at it full on, there wasn't a light there, but then I started noticing like smoke coming in from under the door in the laundry room. And the first thought is like, oh God, is the house on fire? Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, but then I, I watched it for a minute and I'm describing this and it comes out and, and kind of, you know, settles at the foot of my bed and begins to form uh, like a definite head and shoulders shape, Whoa. like it's a, a person or a, a ghost of some sort. And I'm just staring at it, watching this and describing it to her. And then all of a sudden it rushed me like, and it was like, you know, air was coming out of every pore in my body where it just, you know, and then it was gone. That was it. And mm-hmm. of course I'm like trying to rationalize that. What was it? But uh, I don't know. It definitely led to a um, a concern, or rather, you know, just further fascination with what might be after here. Mm-hmm. I always had a thing for, you know, ghosts were prevalent in in my reading and my my movie watching, but I hadn't actually experienced one uh, like that. And I still don't know if I would call it a ghost because I never, you know, wasn't connected to any person living or dead. My dad built that house, you know, uh, so there wasn't any 
like history with it or anything, but there's still the joke that I think America is cursed. It's like the whole place was built on top of some ancient Indian burial ground or something. It kind of was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hence the joke. Yeah. So I don't know about, uh, about any of that, but um, definitely started making me, you know, more concerned with, uh, with what comes after here. And I already was, you know, with the, uh, the visiting the various churches and, and things like that. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I loved, uh, I loved the book lost souls by mm. Poppy Z bright, um, which introduced me to chartreuse, which is still my favorite, uh, liquor. I've actually got him on my, uh, Facebook. And I've been trying to message him about being a guest on our show, but he has not replied yet. Is he a, he now? I believe so. And that's how I've been referring to him because I guess that's, you know, been my first introduction, but I, I wondered if there had been a, a transition. Well, when I met Poppy Z bright or didn't meet her, but she, she was a, she, mm-hmm. and then she did a, uh, an introduction to um, the nightmare factory by Thomas Ligotti, which Thomas Ligotti, that's, that's my favorite probably. But, uh, I had, I thought I had heard something about a transition, so I don't, I don't, um, but that would be great, man. If you can get Poppy C. Bright. Um, what did you like about Lost Souls? Um, kind of the same thing that I liked about near dark was the idea of, um, nomadic vampires, you know, that didn't necessarily, you know, just weren't going to play by the rules. Mm. You know, they filed their teeth down and drank a lot and did a lot of drugs and ate a lot of sweets and mm-hmm. just carousing around. And then they pick up somebody and drink all their blood and kill them and drop them off somewhere and head on to the next town. You know, mm. what is there something about creating art that is important to you? What, what speaks to you about that? There is only art and nothing. Mm. You know, I like that it is, um, I don't know uh, the, the words for it, but you know, that, that link to the creator that having that power, there's something about it only existed in the ether beforehand. And now you've mm-hmm. used the imagination to capture it, to manifest it in a physical. And form. now you're going to yeah. manifest it into a physical form. That's right. That's magic. Mm-hmm. Everything that you see that is man-made started off in someone's imagination. It didn't exist until they brought it here. Mm-hmm. And I think that my imagination is as good, if not better than many. So, <laughs> so I, I want to bring my things here, you know, mm-hmm. but also, you know, just to be able to, to share them with you. To is this ex- why... Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to to express myself and to help you feel the way that I have felt and enjoyed feeling. I can't, I don't always have the words to describe that to someone, Mm -hmm. you know, and even if I did, you still wouldn't know what I was talking about really in a in a conceptual way you would. Are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? Somewhat. Yes. Okay. In one of his interviews, and he was quoting somebody else who said this, uh, quote that he said that he really liked was uh, we talk about the third best things because the first best things, there are no thoughts 
that you can even think about them. You can't even properly think about them. Mm-hmm. You can't, the second best things are the things that you can think about, but you lack the words to express them. Hmm. And so the third thing, the third best are the things that you can think about and can, can express them. And those are the things that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's final cool. draft. If you will, maybe hey, I guess the edited from, version. Yeah. From the yeah. thought process, there's the raw <laughs> that you can't describe. There's yeah. Yeah. Um, well, until you kind of took a turn on me there at the end, um, Sorry. But no, no, it's okay. <laughs> the thing about sharing your reality and, and those kinds of things, I can see the point you're making there. Um, before you said that, I was about to ask if that was why you were afraid of something happening to your son, because you were talking about things about, you know, only existed in the ether and until it was created and blah, blah, blah. And so I, for a moment there, I thought maybe I saw a tie with, with that. But then, like I said, you went into a different direction. Well, and I mean, <clears throat> that's definitely, uh, he is definitely something that happened in that way. Um, but once he was born, you know, that's when my dreams started to turn to someone was going to kidnap him. Something was going to happen to him. He was going to fall. He was going to get hurt. He was going to, you know, any, any of those things. Uh, and, and that became the major source of my fear for a good number of years. But I found that like when he was a baby, I couldn't watch horror movies that had anything happening to babies. Mm-hmm. And as he got older, whatever year he was, I couldn't watch a horror movie that was about something bad happening to that, you know, age. Okay. When was, how old were you when he was born? 26. Okay. So that's, I'd put that more down in the adult stuff. Yeah. Speaking of adult stuff, uh, what kind of stuff impacted you uh, in your adult life? Movies, books. Well, yeah, I mean, de- yeah, dealing with the uh, with everything that we've talked about uh, before, and I mean, I didn't even get into half the things that I was. <laughs> Is there something you about. specifically wanted to talk about? Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily that it's relevant or that won't come out as we continue talking about it. Um, okay. But it wasn't until probably in 97, I started trying to make a, a tentacled creature of a tentacled person, kind of Cthulhu like. And then um, in 98, I modified that. And I, uh, instead of like the first time I had used like ropes and, and latex and tape and, and things like that. But then this time around I used, um, fishing lures, which were specifically culprit fishing lures. And they were these black and gold worms that I used as tentacles and they didn't stick to latex. So I had to like sew them onto pieces of fabric and then latex that. And anyway, um, the, the point is, is that, uh, I, ended up writing a story about culprit that Mm. was a sort of uh, a take on like Hansel and Gretel. Mm. And then culprit became Dr. Calamari, which was my horror host character. While I would admit I was him, he would never admit he was me. (laughs) But um, So, you know, it starts as a Halloween costume and then I bring it into some sort of character artwork that I'm doing. Um, I did, uh, you know, I, I dressed as the Ragman one year, and then Ragman became a 
a spirit character in a short film I did called The Adipsir Child and stuff. So it became something to where like I was almost kind of trying it out. You know. Mm. Um so now for you the joy with Halloween is getting to invent things things or Yeah, I mean to some degree. Um and and then later it was just dressing as a more true version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um the thing that I couldn't just walk around in all year. We have jumped around a lot, but one thing that you mentioned early on that I I wanted to see if there was something that tied back to it was your statement that um, not wanting to be human, wanting to be something else. And I I think there was another phrase you said of a possessive force that wants you to be something else. Um, Yeah. um, So in my, um, you know, moving through the vampire phase, that wasn't something that it was something that became, you know, very real to me for a time until I realized what an asshole I was being a, um, treating people kind of shittier than I wanted to, or than I was, you know, really Mm. it's difficult to, to be a badass and not be an asshole in some respect. Right. Mm. Or at least that was what it seemed like. So, but you know, I still had this incredible ego that I was trying to, to figure out what, what that was about. So, okay. Vampires aren't going to work. What about magic? Maybe I can be a witch. I can be a wizard sorcerer or something of, of that nature. Um, so I kind of went back to, to those thoughts, which I had had from, from childhood. Of course I had tried to, you know, make potions and, and cast spells and, and things like that, uh, as a child. But now let's, let's get a little more serious about it. Let's try to figure out, uh, if this is a thing that we can actually do. And so moving into reading a lot of books, uh, on magic and, and various religions and trying to figure out, you know, getting into chaos magic and, and, um, let me let me go back to what I had asked before and and try to relate the two things that I'm seeing here. I had I had asked about uh, a statement you made earlier about not wanting to be human or not feeling human, and the conversation in response has been more about the journey of okay, I'm not that, so what am I? Mm-hmm. And I'm wanting to go back and talk about the the feeling of of just not. No, not feeling like you're human or losing my, my verbiage. Well, and it's easy to do. Um, I, I think that I've always felt alien. Mm -hmm. Like I just wasn't like other people. And I think that that is to some degree true. Um, obviously not in, in a lot of biological senses, but just in general, the, the, the ways that I have viewed the world and tried to share that with other people or, or speak to other people about it. A lot of times, you know, it's a look at like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and the, the idea, I guess of, you know, I don't want to grow up, you know, ain't nothing out there, but sad and gloom, good old Tom Waits. But, uh, you know, the, the things that I saw growing up from the adults around me while they were, 
half of it was inspiring and motivating. The other half of it was, I don't ever want to be like that, you know? Mm. So uh, it's, it's an amalgam of things, you know, that says you should be something else. And plus, you know, humans, they're all over the place. They're so common. It's not like a monster, (laughs) you know, who's got some unique aspect to it. Well, wanting to be different, I think, is slightly different. Um, You've probably heard us talk in other calls about, you know, identifying with something and then at a certain point in child uh, development, wanting to identify yourself as not being like the thing that you previously identified with. So there's, there's yeah. the, the struggle between wanting to be a part of something, but also maintain your own identity and, and be separate from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like what you're talking about happened even earlier than, than that type of dilemma comes up. Like if you're talking about, you know, ha- maybe feeling like you didn't, like you, you weren't human at three or four, like that's a decade before the kind of thing we're talking, we're talking about there. Sure. That's where I wanted to, to talk some more about that and see if we could try to see where, I don't know see, about seeing where that came from. Cause it might be too early to, to relate to any particular incident. Yeah. I, it might be, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I can, yeah, I, I do a lot of self-examination, so mm-hmm. I can look back and say, well, you know, maybe it was because I was, you know, into girls, and my friends around me were not girls were icky, you know. Maybe it's that, you know, I I developed a a sense of not wanting to be common, you know, of wanting to stand out. That's definitely you know part of my theatrical nature, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, and now that you mention it, I guess it is possible for a kid, even at that early of an age to want to be different. Um, hmm. Mm. So you mentioned in your adult years, uh, your fears had turned more towards things related to your son, um, other than ones relating to your son, were there any other new fears that cropped up? Um, what comes after this, if anything? Because mm. like one of the scariest things I can think of is just stopping. Right. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't really want that. Yeah. Um, and no so, one does. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a funny situation too, because you wouldn't endure any pain or hardship if you, if you do just stop, but it's still a terrifying thing to think of because you just, you simply don't want it. I've got far too much of an ego for that. Exactly. I am, I am certainly important somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I can see that that being the issue for you. I mean, for me, it's just, you know, I, as terrible as life is, there are definitely things about it. I enjoy. And even if you take away all the bad things, I, it's still a net loss for me because of all the things I do enjoy. So but you wouldn't yeah. have to worry about enjoying them if you didn't exist. I know so I'm true. not going to care about it, but I, I care about <laughs> it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's, there are those thoughts like, the thoughts that, you know, the Gnostics thought that what people consider God is a demiurge and that the true right. face of God is nothing, right? you know, the, the, the great nothingness before, and mm-hmm. that this thing, whatever it is, has captured unlimited potential right. and limited it. 
you know. Well, that goes back to what I the quote I mentioned earlier from Joseph Campbell. It's the the, the, the third best things are the things we talk about. Yeah, and that that's us. We are the third best things, I guess. That's- <laughs> that, that too, in that, yeah. in that sense. Um, but that you know, the idea that the thing that created you might not necessarily have your best interest at heart. You or know, anyone's or anyone's. And that's, that's what I love about uh, Thomas Ligotti. When I, you know, talk about that, Thomas Ligotti, Ligotti is a huge influence on me and my whole uh, interior makeup at this point, because it's this idea that, you know, maybe the whole point of creation is to watch it fall into decay. You know, this idea that when you see an abandoned something, you have a sense of the sacred and the holy more so than in any place where there is a heavy population of people. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is for some people. For me, you know, seeing something that's old and abandoned and things like that, it's, it's about respect for the loss. I mean, it's, it's recognizing and my own mortality and and understanding this will be me someday, you know? But do this you is look a metaphor at, for me. But do you look at that and in your brain, bring the people back, bring the good times back, bring the, yeah. the carnival back? Yeah. Or do you. To know that it's all going to be gone someday. It's, I mean, that, like I said, it's still a metaphor for my life. Yeah. And I think that the idea that there is an end or, or rather that you could be extinguished wholly on a mm-hmm. on a you know what you might consider a soul level mm-hmm. that after here maybe there is something but again it's like you're being dropped into an ocean yeah. by yourself so i'm looking back you know through the things that we've talked about now trying to see you know what common threads um how the hell am i going to edit this <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're at three hours, so there's going to be large sections cut out. So there's just no way around that. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than vampires, do you see any other common threads that have, you know, been a part of your life through the whole, you know, all three phases? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's largely about art and magic, um, Mm -hmm. about wanting to, like you said, put, put something permanent. So the common theme then that we were talking about thinking about, you know, afterlifes, is that where that ties in? Maybe so because it's, it's always been a concern. What's your favorite movie and what movie have you watched more times than any other? Or in your case, maybe books I should ask because you've read a lot of books. Yeah. Um, I, well, I definitely will say that even though Thomas Ligotti is, I kind of view it as like Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Lovecraft, Thomas Ligotti is kind of the modern guy for that. But I would say that the scariest book uh, that I have ever read is House of Leaves. It's mm-hmm. uh, a book from like, I think 2000, uh, Mark C. Danielewski. And you could spend years reading this book. Um, but as far as like favorite, like I can't say that I have it's un-American mm. to go on, you know, looking after this one number one, quote unquote, the best 
yeah, anyway, I don't know. I, I love, uh, I love Videodrome. It's a good one. I'm a big fan of like Scarecrows, The Child, Halloween 3, specifically Halloween 3. Hmm. Which movie or book have you read or watched more than any other? Um, it's got to be a, a tie between Gremlins and Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Gremlins, like I said, my, my grandpa gave me the, the uh, video the video cassette, the bootleg, and mm. I got sick and watched it 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 and watched it. Mostly again, trying to figure out how did they do this? How can I do this mm. nightmare before Christmas? Again, I, I saw that and it was not nearly as fucked up as I meant it as I made it in my brain, you know, mm. from the first time. So I wanted to go back and see it again. And then it was at, you know, the dollar theater. So we went like every night <laughs> But I, I have a huge love for for stop motion and dolls and tiny figures and figuring out how to do that. That was a natural thing. It's like, of course, you were going to love this. Okay. Do you see any common threads about what kind of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical? Monsters. Uh, or little, little monsters, little creatures. Um, but any monster, really. You mentioned... Now, a few times, specifically little monsters. What what is it about little monsters opposed to others that are is interesting to you? Being able to have one of these creatures as a pet, you know, like being able to have a a, a mogwai as a pet or even a gremlin, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, there there's the one aspect, like I said, of being able to have that type of little thing as a friend. But then you flip that, and there's sort of the betrayal. I don't entirely know, but I know that that's something that I want to do. So like I have several stories that involve small creatures or dolls or, you know, little things turning against you. Okay. So that kind of goes back to the betrayal thing that you mentioned earlier. I think so. So I would say the fourth, four sort of topics that we have really hit on the most during this call would be feeling different. Um, the afterlife conversation or death betrayal. And there's also, we haven't really talked about it much, but you know, your interest in the work that goes behind the FX work. Um, and one of our last questions that we normally ask is, so why horror? Because couldn't you delve into those topics in other genres? For example, FX works, there's sci-fi betrayal, Drama. I mean, there's that, that kind of thing is in a lot of movies. The afterlife. That's also in a fair number of mo- other movies. Feeling different. I don't know. I mean, again, it depends on how different you want to be. I guess that's possibly the the strongest for contender and horror that I see of these four. That that one really you can't get as as different in other genres as you do horror. But how do you feel about those four things? And in, in uh, comparison to horror versus other genres. Yeah. I just, I think that the most interesting part of any genre is the horror aspect. I think that there are horror aspects to pretty much every genre, but being able to take all of that and, and put it in one place like, yeah, there's fantasy movies. I love fantasy movies. I love sci-fi movies. I, I also love when Harry met Sally, you know, but there's not a lot of, not a lot of horror to that. 
love and sex and death and rebirth and demons and angels and monsters and things from other places and all that stuff, you know, horror really has the most license to explore those topics. Considering the theme of the podcast, uh, is there anything that you're aware of that's relevant that we haven't talked about? Yeah. Do we miss anything? I'm not exactly sure. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I th- ask I a different know. question being that yeah. you mentioned that you've listened to some of these others and, uh, other episodes and maybe had some, had some thoughts in mind. Was there something that you were really looking forward to sharing or discussing that you haven't talked about? How do I say this? So my like filmmaking company, right. Kind of, uh, kind of imploded self-destructed in its way. And there were some deep feelings of, of betrayal there, you know? So it's something that still continues to, to plague me. All of these things that we've talked about, I haven't moved past these fears because there's still things that happen on a, a, a too regular of a basis, you know? You know, my biggest demon is uh, procrastination. Mm-hmm. I know I have to do this, but I don't want to, and I'm going to procrastinate on it. So maybe I can do something else while I'm waiting to do this thing. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. But <laughs> the plague I think of most of our listeners will uh, identify with that. Yes. Yeah. Man. Speaking of the listeners, uh, is there anything that you, yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> would you uh anything you'd like to pitch to them before we close the call because i mean unless you disagree i think as i said earlier i think the 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 four things that we would summarize for you were the you know the feeling different concern about the afterlife betrayal and and then your interest in effects work which um we haven't really talked too much because I, I i don't think that there might be something emotional tied in with that um but i think the other three are definitely stronger in the sense of how you relate to them emotionally does does that make make sense sure i mean there there are but i guess there's you know there's an engineering aspect to that um that you know falls behind all of the you know uh but i still see it as a response to those three things not well i want to make those things but again it's a response to what you see of those other things, not the core itself. Does I don't know. I mean, eh. no, I don't know either. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm I not that's I'm, what this was for anyway. Well, yeah, I was, was going to say, I don't know. I'm not certified. I'm just fucking winging this shit. <laughs> hey, you wrote a book. Hey, that's certification. You wrote a book, man. And, and, and I've done decades of personal introspection and counseling and that kind of shit. So, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not coming at it completely off the wall, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a PhD either. So, well, that's okay. Yeah. I'm not either, but I play one on TV. Here's our aspirin well. or whatever it was, <laughs> Tylenol, acetaminophen. Uh, so yeah, going back to, <laughs> the, uh, did you want to pitch something? Leah Taylor and I are working on a, a project, um, but I guess right now the best thing to do is uh, check for, you know, my Instagram, uh, keep up on uh, with me on my website. I will be working on that more. Um, just follow me through my Instagram and uh, which is Arthur L. Culifer and ArthurCulifer.com. 
and read some crazy shit. Mm. Yeah. And we'll put together a bio package for your bio page for you. And we can link to all that stuff from our page. So if anybody doesn't have pen and paper to write it down or can't remember it, I mean, Arthur Culliford is pretty easy to remember, but, uh, and also, you know, if you've got an acting job and you think I might be good for it, <laughs> let me know. I love acting. And if they've seen your work, mm-hmm. they might be listening to this podcast. So <laughs> you never know. There you go. It's worth a shot. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you, guys. guys. Yeah. yeah, thanks for popping by. It's been awesome. All right. Thank you to anybody out there listening. Please, again, again do come visit us over at HorrorMixesHappy.com. Uh, I've said this spiel probably 40 times. Fuck it. I'm skipping it. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> you all know we got the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>